This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We are again um, ending, we're bringing to conclusion. Um, for the most part, we're going to bring it to an end. You can never exhaust the Word of God, but we're going to bring this to an end over the next couple of uh, few, few weeks. And so Matthew chapter 7 is the ending of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have been with us for any length of time uh, over these last Wednesdays, these last few um, months Uh, on Wednesdays then you know that we have been ministering and we've been teaching uh, verse by verse start study on um, the Sermon on the Mount and we started with the Beatitudes Uh, but now we are concluding that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 and we're not going to review a whole lot if you need to to um, it's always important to get the information that that was given uh, beforehand so that you can connect knowledge um, so I, I we, we do we will we will do a short review um, as we go through but but just understand that I'm not I, I can't go all the way back right it can't go all the way back um, but we will do some review particularly from last week to help catch us up to where we need to be but in Matthew chapter 7 um, We'll start reading at verse 1, and we'll read up to the part where, where we are this week. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And I'm going to stop there, because if you are visiting, and again, we've talked about this passage of Scripture, and if you are visiting and and you have this attitude or you have this thought that no one should judge me I want you to go back and listen from the very beginning I think it was August the 11th is when we started teaching this August 11th and August and uh, um, the 11th and then whatever with the 19th August so go back and look at those because that's going to be important Um, so no uh, no one should judge you but examination is on point examination is on point and judgment of sin not judgment of people but judgment of sin is on point with God so in order to understand that then you need to go back verse 2 for with what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged and with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you again and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye or how wilt I say to thy brother let me pull out the mote of out of thine out of thine um, I'm sorry let me pull out the mote out of thine eye and behold a beam is in thine own eye thou hypocrite first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye and so see we see we see here although God is saying do not judge this is Jesus speaking in red this is Jesus speaking to us so yes God is telling us Jesus is telling us that we should not judge people and be careful but but he's giving us he's giving us um 
uh, a way to examine. So what, how should we examine people? What is that, that the criteria for examining someone? And so here he's telling us that we should not judge. We should, you can't even examine. You can't even afford to examine somebody else when you are in sin, when you are doing things that you should not be doing. And so here, this is, this is what basically all he's, he's not telling us that we should not examine the other person. He's not saying that. But he's saying that you don't have room to examine somebody if you are walking in a fault yourself. If you are in sin yourself, God is not, God is not talking to you about anything about anybody else until he can get you straight first. That's his first concern is to get you straight. You can't even help anybody. It says that you can't even see clearly how to help somebody else unless you yourself get that beam out of your own eye, get rid of that fault, get rid of that sin that you are in. That's the only way that you're going to be able to see clearly to help somebody else. So that's all that he's saying there. Verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest I trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. So you say, you see here, he's, he's even telling us that we should help our brothers. We should give them the word. We should give them the commandments of God or remind, remind them of the commandments of God. Not that they are ours, that, that, the, those words or those commandments, but they come from God. And that's the way we need to relay that information. But here he's saying that we should not give. If we are trying, if we are attempting to give the word to someone, if we are attempting to give the word to someone and they, they don't want to hear it, they reject it, that we shouldn't continue. We shouldn't continue. He says, what did he talk about? He talked about dogs. Dogs, it simply means unclean. When he talks about the pigs, that simply means unclean. And you would have to understand that from, he's talking to, remember that, that, that part of the, the multitude that are here are the Jews. And so he's giving them, he's giving them some things that they can relate to. Uh, pigs and dogs, they can relate to. Because in the Old Testament, those were, were uh, uh, very um, synonymous and very, those animals were very synonymous to being unclean, meaning unclean. So he was giving that information. So a person that doesn't want it, a person that, that tramp, he said they will trample it. They will, tr- if you try to give them the word, those pearls, those pearls, those are, those are words of wisdom. Those pearls are words of wisdom straight from the very throne of, of God. Those things, that the, the, the scriptures that you have learned, that you have put into place in your life, and you have seen how they have changed you. That becomes wisdom because now you've taken knowledge from God and you have placed it in your, in your, in your life and you were living it, then it becomes wisdom to you. And so then you try to help somebody else according to that, based on the scripture, based on what you learn from the scripture. You show them the scripture, then you, you explain to them or you reveal to them or you share with them how it has happened in your life and how that word has changed you. And then it, it says those are pearls, those are words of wisdom. And it says don't cast that. Don't give that to dog. Don't give it to somebody that's uh, that's unholy. Don't give it to somebody that don't want it. Not just unholy. So you can they can be unholy and you're trying to t- and you're trying to teach them and you're trying to show them a better way. And then they if they're li- if they're listening, if they're listening to you, 
if they're listening to what you have to say, you need to stick with it. We talked about that, about laboring with people. We labor with them. But if they don't want it, if they don't want it, if they reject it, if they tell you, you know, I know I don't want to hear it. If they tell you, you know, I know that, I know that. Okay, well, if they know that, then just let them be because they know too much. Like my grandmother said, they too, they, their britches too big. They, they're, too, they're too big for their britches. That's what she said. So you just let them do. You let them do and you let them go if that's what they want to do. If they want to listen, then as long as, as, long as they, are, uh, they are yielding their ear. As long as they're yielding their ear, then you keep on. You labor with them. But at some point, if they ever stop or, 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 or people don't want to hear it, they reject it, he says, just let it go. Just let it go. We don't, got, we don't have time for people just wanting to question everything that we say. We don't have time for, 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 for uh, uh, debating the Bible because we, we, don't, we don't have to debate the word. The word, it, it is what it is. So we're not debating what the word says. We're not, we're not doing any of that. We, 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 we don't need all of that questioning, all of that. Take that to the Lord. You take it to the Lord. Now, I, again, now I'm not talking about, you have to, well, then we talked about discernment, right? Because you have to know the difference between somebody that's, that's really asking a question because they want to understand versus someone that's just questioning because they're trying to trip you up or, be try, or because they don't really believe it or, you know, they, they have their own thoughts about it. They, you have to have discernment. We talked about that. You have to have discernment so that you'll know the difference. Ask God to give you a good judgment so that you will know who's faking it and who's serious about it and who just wants to. You'll know. You'll know who to, who to cast your, your pearls to and who not to cast your pearls to. Then we come to verse 7. And it says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we started talking about this probably a couple of weeks ago. And so we're going to push forward because we have, we have a ways to go. So we talked about who can ask. I told you anybody can ask. Anybody, you, anybody can go to God and, and ask whatever, whatever it is that you want to ask. You can ask. You can ask. But then there's a difference between asking and who's going to receive. There's a difference. You can ask all day long, whatever it is that you want. But if you want to receive something, if, you, if you're really wanting to receive what you're asking, then there's a way and there's a means by which you have to do that. And you can't just ask anything. People just think they can just, I can just ask God anything. No. There's a certain criteria. There are certain things that you can and cannot ask for. Because there are certain things that he's giving, and then there are certain things that he's not giving. Oh, yeah. There are certain things that he gives, and then there are certain things that he cannot give. And it's not that he can't. It's that he won't because it's not according to his will. It's not what he's laid out in Scripture. So you can ask, but what, who's receiving? So we talked about that. You have to be a child of God. <laughs> you have to be a child of God to be able to ask and receive. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. You got to be his child. 
Uh, we talked about that before. Like, you know, you know, people can come to you. You know, you can have people that come. <laughs> you have children. You know, children, they are not ashamed. We're going to talk about shame, shamelessness uh, a little bit later. But children are not ashamed. They will go to anybody pretty much. If you have what they want, they're going to ask for it. You know, unless you teach them otherwise, right? But, but children, if they're not taught, if you have something, if I see you have something, I'm going to come ask. Right? And so then we have then but but then so so our children we are more susceptible to give to rather than somebody else's child. Right? So 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 here it says children it's the children's bread. Like healing is a children's bread. There are things that, that, that God has stored up for those who love him. There are things that he has stored up for those who accept him as father, those who accept him as savior. In that salvation package, there is a lot of things that, that comes with that. And being a child of God and being a child of his is one of those things that's a part of that salvation package. And so we can ask, once we, we've accepted God, now, now I remember what I said. I said that God will be merciful on whomever, and I'm not saying that he, I, I'm not saying that he cannot give, but he won't give to those who are not his children. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that you are like flipping a coin. You're like flipping a coin. Like, God, are you going to help me today or not? You know, if, 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 if it lands on heads, you will. If it lands on tails, you won't. I mean, you know, all of the, you're, you're hoping. You're just, you're just hoping. It's just a, it's just a hope. It's just a, it's just a hope. It, you know, you have to, and you have to rely on God's mercy. At this, at that point, you have to just have to rely on His mercy. And there's nothing wrong with relying, but rely on His mercy. But, but why not, why not set yourself in a position to be able to just receive whenever you ask? Why not set yourself in a position to, to just to be able to receive whatever you ask of your father? And that's what we're talking about. We want, listen, nobody goes to God and asks for something if they don't really want it. Whatever you ask someone for, you, you want it. So we, gotta, we have to know that, that, that the children, that's how, that's how you receive from God. First, is that you be a child of God. You have to have that relationship with him. You gotta have a relationship with him, and then we talked about the the uh, uh, um, so asking. So what are the guidelines? You must ask. Ask simple. You have to ask in order to receive. You have not. The scripture says you have not because you ask not. That's in James chapter four. You have not because you ask not. Yes, you have to ask. He's God and he knows everything that you need, but he still put us on that system. He still put us on that system where he wants us to ask him. He wants us to ask. And then we have to ask in faith. You got to trust. You're trusting. You're not trusting in the thing that you're asking for. You're trusting in the one who is able to deliver and to give you what you're asking for. We trust in him. You have to have that confidence in him. You can have confidence that he will answer your prayers when you ask with a proper motive. With a proper motive. He says also in that same verse, in James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, that he, first he says, you ask, you have not because you ask not. And then in verse 3, he says, you ask 
asking, you don't, basically, you asking, you don't, you're not receiving because you're asking amiss. That means that you're asking him for something that number one, he may not be given. Or you're asking him for something just to consume it on your lust. You just want, you just, you just pull everything for you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about what I want, what I want, what I want, what I need, what I want. And, and listen, again, God is in the business of supplying what we need. I'm not saying that at all. But what he's saying is, is that sometimes we are so selfish in our prayers. And then, and, and not only are we selfish in our prayers, but we are also asking him for things that he is not supplying. We ask for things that he's not supplying. He's not supplying houses. That's not what he supplies. <laughs> you work. And you get a house. Who supplies houses? All of these folks who build houses. J, uh, J.P. Morgan... Uh, Morton or well, who, you know all these home builders they're the ones supplying the houses that's what they supply God is not supplying money that's not what he supplies he's not giving he's not raining down money from heaven that's not what he supplies but we're going to find out Remember, as we go through, we're finding out what God supplies. And whatever he supplies, he has it in abundance. And he says, and those things, he said, ask. You can ask me all day long for those things. And those who ask, and those who seek, and those who knock, you're going to get it every time. Every time. If you are asking based on the way he has set it up and the way he has designed it. That's simple. You can always get what you ask from God when you do it his way. That's plain and simple. But when we try to go, come to God in our own way, when we try to come to God and ask him for things that we want, that we desire, that's not in his word, that's things that he's not giving, that's why you're not getting what you're asking for. That's plain and that's simple. So we're trying to find out how do we get from God every time we ask. Every time I ask, I'm going to receive. That's what we're trying to find out. So we ask, we ask in faith, we ask with the proper motive. Here it is. You have to be obedient to his will and to his way. He expects, his will is what he expects. His way I'm teaching you the difference between those. His will is what he expects. His way is how he expects it. His will and his way. Obedience gives us the confidence to approach God in prayer. When you have been obedient, think about your children. Your children won't think twice about asking you for or what you know, whatever the latest pair of tennis shoes, or the latest game, or the latest you know, what, whatever the case is, they will not. They will not hesitate. Now, some of them are bold. You know, they ain't done nothing you told them to do when they're gonna ask. But but usually they they you know they, there's a hindrance. 
But when they have done, when they've gotten those good grades and that's, they, they know that that's what you like, you know, those good grades, when you're, you know, obedient, when you're, they will come, they're going to ask. They're going to ask. So when you are obedient to God's work, there's a confidence that you have. That whatever I ask my father, he's going to give it to me. Why? Because I've been obedient. I've been obedient. And he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. But he is a rewarder of those who obey. Your faith and your obedience will get you what you need when you need it. Your faith and your obedience. Again, God will do. He, you know, he, might, he just might give it to you. But then you operate. I'm trying to get us away from trying to operate on mercy. Trying to depend on mercy all the time. Right? We, we want to, you know, mercy is there. And, and listen, listen. I'm not, I, I, I have nothing against mercy. I have nothing against mercy. It's his mercy that, it is, it's his mercy that, 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 that God brought us his love. But we don't want to depend. You don't want to depend on mercy. You just want to be able to depend on asking and receiving. That's what you want to be able to depend. You want to depend. I just, I want to, I'm just going to trust you for what I need and you're going to give it to me. That's what you, that's the place you want to be. So our obedience gives us the confidence to approach God in prayer and obedience places us and keeps us in position to receive from Him always. His will is what He desires. I told you his will is what he expects, and his will is what he desires from us. His way is how he expects it, and how he desires it. So I said his will is what he desires, but his way is how he desires it. How he desires to receive it. Point in in case. God desires worship from us. Scripture tells us. He desires our worship. But how is his way? He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's a desire. There's God's will. There's his desire. But then there's his way. That's how he desires. You have to do both. You have to do both. And that is obedience. So we went through those scriptures. And we're not going to go back through those. But we need to understand Understanding what that is, that, that we have to obey. And then the, the last part of that is that we need to ask with his will as your God. You need to ask with his will as your God. What we ask of him must be seen in his will. And we went through the scriptures. And when we went through the scriptures last week, I wanted you to look at what God was giving. We saw he was giving knowledge. We saw that he was giving wisdom. He gives strength. He, those are the things that he gives. He gives grace. He gives mercy. Those are the things that he's rich in. Abundantly rich in. And he will give us those things when we ask again, as we ask according to everything that we're laying out. So what we ask of him must be seen in his will. And if you don't see it, I told you last week, if you don't see it, he is not in the business of giving it. He's not in the business of giving it if you don't see it in the scripture and you don't see it in his will. Then we went to seek. So that was that was ask. And so it says, verse seven, ask and it shall be given you. 
Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. So we talked about asking last week and that's what we just went over. So now we're going to dig into, into seek. I told you that seek and knock, that goes a little bit beyond just asking. Asking is praying. So you ask. When you ask, when you pray, you're asking. But I said last week that seeking and knocking, those are active. Those are very active things. They're not passive. They're very active things. So when you seek, so what is the guideline for seeking? What is the guideline for seeking? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What is the guideline for finding? So we seek. What is the guideline for finding? Right? So we gave you the guideline for receiving. Now we're going to give you the guideline for finding. And so, three things. Seek. When you seek, you have to set your heart to seek the Lord. The guidelines for finding. Set your heart to seek the Lord. Number two, you must seek Him with all of your heart and soul. We're going to go back and we're going to chase these, but I'm giving them to you now. Number two, we're going to seek him with all your heart and your soul. These are guidelines for finding when you seek. And then the last one is believe that he will reward those and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those three things. Guidelines for finding. I'm telling you how you will always find when you seek. This is guaranteed. How you will always find when you seek. Set your heart to seek him. Seek him with all your heart and soul. And believe that he will reward those who diligently seek him. So let's chase this down. Seek. So let's first find out. It says, seek and ye shall find. So seeking, that means to think on. You seek. You think on it. You meditate on it. You inquire into it. You have to inquire into it. That's seeking. You have to aim at it. That's seeking. You aim at it. You inquire into it. You strive after. You strive after. That word is going to be key. Strive. You strive after it. You crave it. This is something that you crave. What is that? What's a craving? You need it. That means I need it. I'm yearning for it. I want it. I desire it. Seeking. You have to seek. When you seek something, you are inquiring. You are aiming at it. You are striving after it. You are craving for it. Remember what I told you about those keys last, last week. You don't see. When you seek to find your keys, you keep seeking until you find it. You don't just stop. That means what? I'm striving after it. I'm aiming. I'm aiming to find those keys. I'm aiming to find them. I need them. That's the same way we have to be with God. When we're seeking, we have to be that same way. We have to set our hearts to seek the Lord. What is setting your heart to seek Him? That means that I am devoting, I am dedicating my heart. The scripture tells us that we cannot have divided hearts. When I am seeking something from the Lord, I need to set my heart to seek Him. That means I need to stretch my heart to seek Him. <laughs> I need to stretch it. I need to commit my heart. Commit. There it is. I need to commit my heart to seeking the Lord. Your heart. I need to commit my mind. 
That's my heart. I need to, I'm committing, I'm committing my will. I'm committing my thinking. I'm committing, I'm dedicating, I'm devoting my mind, my will, my thinking. I'm devoting my appetite, those things that I want. I'm devoting those things. That, that's a part of my heart. I'm devoting my heart. Those appetites, my passions, I'm devoting those to Him. I'm seeking Him. I'm passionate about Him. I'm passionate. My appetite is towards Him. I need more. My heart is yearning. My heart has to yearn for Him. Listen, your heart has to yearn for Him. We, We have to replace our pastor was talking about, you know, put, putting yourself, you have to take yourself out of one place to put yourself in the kingdom. You got to take yourself out of the world and put yourself in the kingdom. That's active. That's active. It's not passive. That's active. You have to do something. You got to do it if you're really serious about it. And that's what that knocking is. We're going to get to that. Knocking, that means you're serious. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles 28. And look at verse 9. 28 and 9. And the scripture reads, And thou Solomon, this is David talking to his son, And thou, and thou Solomon, my son, know thou the, the God, know the God, of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts so here he's saying he's telling David is telling his son to first he said to know God knowing him that means you got to be intimate yes you saw you've seen my relationship with him you've seen the things that he has done you've seen the things that he has done through me but he says no I need you to know him for yourself God see he, here he was helping helping to prepare Solomon cause, because Solomon uh, God had, was, uh, needed Solomon to build a temple remember David wanted to but it was for Solomon to do but in order, in order to do God's will, you got to know what his will is. In order to do what he wants you to do, you, in order to do it his way, do his will and do it his way, you have to consult him. You have to find out from him what he wants and how he wants it. And so that's all that he was saying. He says, I, you need to know God. You need to know him for yourself and serve him with a perfect heart. He says, serve him. With, know him and serve know him and serve him with a perfect heart. A perfect heart simply means a complete heart. A whole heart. You gotta serve him with a complete heart, with your whole heart. You gotta serve him. That's the perfect heart. It's whole, it's complete, it's full. A peaceful heart. Willing mind, a willing mind to do so, that peaceful heart. A peaceful heart is not war. You're no longer in a war about who you're going to serve. <laughs> See, that, that has to be over. You, you, a perfect heart and a peaceful heart means you're at, you're at peace. A peaceful heart, I'm not warring anymore. I'm at peace with whom I'm serving. 
So that's what he was telling. That's what he was. That's what David was telling Solomon. I need you. You have to serve God with a peaceful heart, willing. We're being willing and obedient, and you have to serve him with a peaceful heart. Meaning, I am not warring. There is no more war. I have that settled. I know who I'm serving. I know who I'm seeking. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And let's look at, uh, we're going to start at verse 23. We're going to read a little bit of that. Num- uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy. I'm in Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And let's start with verse 23. Take heed unto yourselves. He's talking to the children of Israel here. This is. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden me. See, this goes right along with what I just said, that you have to have a perfect heart towards him. Your heart has to be whole. Your heart has to be complete towards God. You can't have a divided heart. And he says here, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a graven image, making graven images, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God forbidden thee. So making graven images, that's, that's, that's putting, that's having, basically having idols. You can't have a divided heart. You're not making graven images. God is with you. Don't make any graven images. We're not, we're not talking about idolatry. You have to serve God with a perfect and a whole heart. Verse 24, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. We just, we just sung that song. He is jealous for me. He is jealous. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Jump down to verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord. So he was telling them, if you don't, if you don't, all those other verses in between. If you don't do this, if you don't do that. But here he says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. Thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, you shall find him. You shall find him if you seek him. So we said we have to aim for, we have to strive after him with your very being. With your very being, you have to strive after God. You have to want him like you want, like you want something that you really want. And you know what I mean. When it's something that you really want, you go after it and you don't stop until you get it. When you have set your heart on something, I don't care what it is. If you have set your heart on something, you are going to go after it no matter what until you get it. That's that passion. That's that zeal. That's that, that I, I'm setting my appetite. I'm setting... That, that is the same way you do those things, those natural things. That's the same way you have to be with God. No different. That same way. And even more so. Even more so. Why? We're going to get to that in a second. Because you have things that are contending for your, contending. You have things that are contending for your, your, uh, uh, your attention, vying for your attention. These things you're trying to go after with God, there's going to be there's going to be some adversity. Remember, you always have an adversary, and anytime you're going after something from God, anything spiritual, you're going to have an. 
an adversary. Listen, you can go. Nobody's going to contend with you. Those natural things that you that you go after. Nobody is contending. Nobody. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. But when you're trying to strive, you don't have to worry about the enemy on that because he's just going to let you do because you play it right into his his little deal. But when you're trying to get something spiritual, you're going to always. And then your flesh. You have to deal with your flesh too. All of those things. They contend. When I'm trying to see God, when I'm seeking him, those things are going to come up. So we have to, we have to, we have to seek him with our whole heart and your whole soul. Your very being. And then I said number three, that we have to believe that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 6 first. And the scripture reads, But without faith, It is impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God, when you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I need you to tie this in to what our pastor taught uh, a few Sundays ago. It says what? It says that without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God you must what? First believe that what? That he is. Not that he was. Not that he might be or that he will be in the future but you have to know and trust that he is right now. And that's how you go to him. That I know that you are. You just are. (laughs) You just are. That he is. You just is. That's it. You is. I know that's not proper English, but that's it. He is. So that's how you have to approach him. Look at verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14. For they that, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, a different country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have to have returned. See, he's saying that these, these in Hebrews chapter 11, these folks, not only did they believe something that they didn't see, they believed in salvation and they hadn't seen it. They believed that Jesus was coming and they hadn't seen it. They believed, they believed in that and they hadn't seen it. They believed in a God that they had not seen. But, but what did it say? It says they, they first believed it, being persuaded. They were persuaded and they embraced it. And then what does it say? It says that they plainly said that they were not from this country. What does that mean? That means I am not of this world that's taking myself out of the world and putting myself into the kingdom of God. They took themselves out. 
They didn't care. It didn't matter. It didn't. It didn't matter. And we see. We see. You go back. You go back and we when we read Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, I don't know how many times. But if you go back and, and read those fillers in before, he said, and read all of that up at that. He said that this is how. This is how. What? Verse 15, and, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came, that means they were obedient. I'm not doing the things of this world. Whatever God is asking me, I'm of his country. I'm of, of his kingdom. Whatever his will is and his way, that's what I'm doing. He said they might have had the opportunity to have returned if they would have thought about where they came from. But they had their minds and their eyes set on something else. And then what did it say? It's 16. But now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly. That's that heavenly kingdom. They, they were desiring that heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. And then after that he still talks about those who were in faith. He talked about them before then he talked about them after. But he placed that in the center right there. To let you know that this is how. This is how they obtained what they obtained. Obedience. So you must believe, you must trust, you must be convinced, you must be persuaded that he is who he is. You must trust, you must be convinced, you must be confident that God is one who rewards. He is the one who rewards. Listen, I don't care what kind of reward you think you get on this earth. I don't care, but whatever it is, it's passing and it's fleeting. And it's going to die and it's going to decay. But when God, but when God rewards, when our God rewards, it is lasting, everlasting. Nobody can take it away from you. I'm talking about he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek. When you have knowledge of the Lord, nobody can take it from you. When you have wisdom from God, nobody can take it from you. When you have the strength of God that he gives, nobody can take When you have the grace of God, when you have the mercy of God, nobody, and that is not decaying, and nobody can take it from you. See, we get caught up, we, we get caught up in trying to, in asking God for all these little things that's going to decay, that's going to rot, that you're going to have to spend money on because it's going to break down. You're going to have to do all of that, but the things that are rich in God, that God is rich in, that God is abundant in, the things that He wants you to have, those things that He wants and the desires for you to have, those things are not decayable. They do not decay. As a matter of fact, they keep multiplying. They keep multiplying. His strength keeps multiplying. His grace. He gives you grace for grace. It keeps multiplying. Wisdom. When you're asking for wisdom, when you're seeking knowledge and wisdom, it keeps more. He gives you more. He gives precept upon precept. He gives you more when you're seeking it. When you're after it. When you're convinced that He, that He is, and that it's he, all of it is here, it's His wisdom, it's His knowledge, it's His strength. When you, that He is, and He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. I have to be firm in talking about the truth. See, this is the truth, and this is what our pastor was talking about. I want you to know the truth. So that you can be the truth. So you can hold on to the truth. And the truth shall make you free. It shall make you free. 
the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, it'll make you free, free from bondage. It'll make you free, free from your own mind. It will make you free, free from the attacks of the enemy. Not, not that you won't have the attacks, but you're going to be free to just move, move about, just move around. Tell him to move around. You're going to be, that's how free you're going to be. That's how free you can be. Seeking him. Seeking him. You must be diligent. Diligence. 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 That means you have to be careful. You have to be conscientious. Believing that he will reward those who diligently seek it. You must be diligent. Conscientious. You must be careful. You must be submissive. You must be obedient in your aim and your strive for the Lord. You cannot be double-minded. You cannot be worldly-minded and be spiritually-minded at the same time and think that you're going to get those things that God is having and wants you to get. It's not going to happen. You have a divided heart. And those things in your heart will keep... I remember what I said. I said, you have an adversary and then you have your flesh. You have your adversary and you have your flesh. Both of those things will contend against you. They're going to fight against you. Because they don't want what God what God wants. Your flesh doesn't want what God wants. Your body doesn't want. I pastor said this. Your body does not want what God wants. It does not. It wants what feels good. It wants what looks good. It wants what it wants what tastes good. It wants it that's that's all that it does not want anything pertaining to God. And of course the enemy don't want you to have God. Those two things are contending. The adversary in your place, they're going to contend for you being diligent in your seeking. Just know that. But we're going to work on that too. What is the Lord is saying to us? What is the Lord? I, when God dropped this in my spirit, he just, I, I, just, I, I rejoice. In this time, he's saying in this time, in this season of preparation. Now I'm just going to drop this right here. We're talking about seeking. We're talking about asking. We're talking about seeking. We're about to start talking about knocking in just a few minutes. The Lord is saying to us, in this time and in this season of preparation, seek the Lord while he may be found. Hold on to that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I don't know all that is in that. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to tell you. But God said to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him. Asking, seeking, knocking. We're talking about diligence. We're talking about being serious. Call upon him while he is near. He's saying, seek me, find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart, he says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up that fallow ground that's causing you not to seek and not to knock 
and not to ask. He says, and, and not to seek and ask those things that he desires. He says to break up that fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Till he comes and he rains righteousness upon you. He says, seek me. Find me. Search for me. While I am near, while I can be found. He says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up that fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. It is time. In this time of season of preparation, it is time to seek the Lord. I cannot stress that enough. It is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Now you take that. You write that down and you hold on to that. And not only hold on to it, what I tell you. I said seeking is active. That means you got to put something into action. You talk to God about what it is. And we're just going to leave that right there. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. And talking about opportunity, here we go. It says, knock and it shall be open unto you. What is the guideline for the opening? What is the guideline for the opening? Now listen, although there is no door, go, go back to Matthew chapter 7. Although there is no door here in chapter 7. He says, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. There is no door here, not explicitly, not explicitly, but the knock and the open are indicators that he's talking about. He's referring to, he's referring to a door metaphorically, not a real door. Metaphorically, he's referring to a door. That door represents opportunity. That door represents opportunity. What did I just tell you a few minutes ago? Well, all that what God was telling us, that in this time of preparation, we need to seek him. We need to start. We need to knock. We need to seek. We need to ask. And he said, be diligent. He said, be serious about it. Why? Because you don't want to miss the opportunity. Whatever that opportunity is, you don't want to miss it. That door represents opportunity. It represents an entrance. It represents a way or a passage. It represents a gateway. Prayer is the means. Prayer is the means by which you are able to access opportunity. You got to ask. You have to ask. Prayer is the means by which you can access opportunity. You can access. You can gain. Prayer is the means you can gain entrance. Prayer is the means you can access the passage. Prayer is the means by which you can enter the gateway. In seeking him, you have to knock. You have to knock. Knocking. So, so, so what, 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 is the, what, is, what are the guidelines for that door opening? Everybody wants an open door, I'm sure. What is the guideline for that? You must be diligent. You must be diligent. That's number one. Number two, you must persevere. And number three, you must endure. Let's, let's tackle these. Number one, you must be diligent in seeking. That means you must be attentive. That means you must be conscientious. That must you, mean you must be careful. You can miss your opportunity. You can miss the opportunity because you've been seeking, that you've been seeking, either because you weren't keeping your eye out for it, or you didn't recognize it because you were looking for it to come another way. You can miss it. 
miss the opportunity. You can miss the entrance. You can miss the passageway. You can miss the gateway because you weren't looking for it or you were looking for it to come another way. That's letter A under diligence. B, you must avoid occasions to be distracted. And that letter B can feed into that number A, to that letter A, which is why you might miss it. You must avoid, B, you must avoid occasions to be distracted. The scripture tells us to avoid all occasions, all occasions of the flesh. You have to avoid the occasions to feed and to give in to your flesh. Avoid the occasion. We're talking about, we're talking about diligently seeking. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about seeking and knocking at the door. God's door. Avoid the occasions to be distracted. Avoid the okay, because you just might miss it. Avoid the occasions to feed and to give into your flesh. You must persevere. That was the second one. You must persevere in prayer. Matthew chapter 5. Remember I told you to put a pen a couple of weeks ago. I told you to put a pen in that in Matthew chapter 15. Let's go back to that real quick. And my time is just running. 15 and verse 21. I told you to put a pen in it. We were going to come back to it. 15 and... Where am I? 21. Then Jesus went... I'm not going to read all of that. Remember, okay, so remember that this was a woman that, that came and was seeking God about her daughter. Remember, she was unsaved. And so God was sending her away at first. And what he said, uh, uh, what, verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried. She cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Remember, he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. Then verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then, verse 25, Then she, then came she, and worshipped him. So she had already asked. She already asked. And he didn't answer. Okay? So then in verse 25, Then came she, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She wasn't taking no for an answer. And then he said what? He answered and said, this time he answered, and he said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. So, you know, and, uh, she could have been offended right there. He just called me a dog. She could have been offended. But what, what happened? Verse 27. And she said, truth, Lord. <laughs> she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She kept going back. Look, you can call me a dog all you want, but I know that dogs eat scraps. Look, you don't have to give me the whole thing. We don't have to have the whole healing. I just need need some crumbs. Just give me a little bit. Just, just, Just give me a little bit. What is that? She was persevering in prayer. That's persevering. Look at this in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And look at this in verse, Luke 11 verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, 
and say unto him, you go into somebody's house at midnight, and say unto him, a friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to step before him. And he from within, and, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. Him from, he, him from within, he didn't even answer the door. Him from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though, though, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. He says, look, I'm not, he won't even give it to you because he's your friend. That's, now that's cold. You're my friend and you're coming to me at midnight. I'm, I'm not even opening the door. I'm saying the door is shut. It's midnight. The door is shut and me and my children are in the bed. You say that to your friend. He says, but no, not, not because he's your friend, but just because he keeps coming. Just because he's there. He's not going away. He's not going away until he gets what he wants. See, you got to be bold. He's a, he, he went to this man at midnight. You got to be bold. The, the scripture tells us that we can boldly approach the throne. But you can't be bold unless you're obedient. You can't be bold unless you have confidence. You can't be bold unless you really trust and you, you, you know. See, this, this man, he knew. Surely he's going to give me. He's going to give it to me. If I, he's going to give it to me. That importunity. Importunity, that means persistence. Persistence to the point of annoyance. Persistence to the point of annoyance. He is not going to leave me alone. That's the way, that's the way God wants us to be. Oh, he just like just like Jacob. He said Jacob said he wrestled with him. He said, "I'm not gonna let you go till you bless me. If you really want it, if you're really seeking it, not only are you gonna ask, but you're gonna seek it. You're gonna be diligent about it, and you're gonna have importunity. You're gonna keep asking until he blesses you. I'm not gonna let you go, Lord. I'm not gonna leave this door. Look, you cannot. I'm knocking." I'm not, you know what, people don't knock. They don't just come to your house and knock. If they come to your house and they're knocking, they want to come in. I'm not going to try to travel all the way from Maine to Round Rock to come visit you. And I'm knocking on your door. I'm not going to just knock. Oh, they didn't answer. And then some of us get a little nosy, and we'll peep. Look, I'm not the only one to do. I'm peeping to see if they can see some movement going on. I know they're there. I see the car there. I know they're there. I'm not the only one to look through windows. I'm not the only one. Especially if I've traveled from Maine to Round Rock to come visit you. I'm going to keep knocking until you answer that door. If I know that you're there. See, if we know that God, if we know, if we're confident that God is there and that he is, if we know and then we're confident that whatever we ask in his name, it shall be, if, we, if we're obedient, then we have that confidence, we're going to keep on knocking until he opens, until he opens that door. He opens that passageway for us to be able to access and get whatever it is. That we've been asking for. You must endure. 
That means you must wait through the waiting. You must endure. Endure through the waiting. You have to suffer through the wait. You have to bear the wait. You cannot be impatient and give up. Because as soon as you give up, you will miss the opportunity or you will walk away before the door opens. You can't be impatient. Now, I'm not going to be impatient. I come visit you in Round Rock. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm going to knock. If I know you're there. See, that's my confidence. I know you're there. I'm going to keep knocking. You can't be impatient. You must wait while resisting the enemy. This is what I was talking about a few minutes ago. You must wait while resisting the enemy and resisting your flesh. Because the enemy and your flesh will try to talk you out of whatever it is that you're waiting to receive from the Lord. He's going to do it with doubt. Oh, you're asking for knowledge. No. People like you don't know. He's not going to give you. He's not pouring out his knowledge like that. He's not revelation of his word. He's not straight. He gives other people straight. He's He's not really concerned about. The enemy will. He will whatever it is. Whatever it is. Oh, I'm not that important. I'm not that important. So, you know, it's, he's, he's not. The enemy will try to trick you out of whatever it is that God, that you are seeking from God. Because he don't want you to have it. And again, your flesh will do, will do the same. Your flesh will do the same. You cannot waver. The enemy will do it with doubt, thoughts of preservation. Oh, Okay, so you're asking for that, but that, that means you're going to have to give up some. You know, you're asking for knowledge, you, you never know if you're asking for, you're asking for grace, and you're asking for, you ask for grace, and you, ne- you don't know what, what's going to happen. You know, they say grace, you know, things, God gives gifts, and you, you know, he gives you those gifts, and you have those gifts, and you're asking for grace, and he's going to try to work, then that might mean you have to give something up, and you might, you might not be able, your flesh, the enemy, trying to talk you out of. Whatever it is that you're seeking and that you need from God. And you don't want that to happen. Laziness is another thing. We get lazy. We talked about being diligent. We get lazy when it, th- when it comes to the things of God. Your flesh becomes lazy. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to pray. Oh, I don't, I don't want to. Mm, uh, I can do that later. Uh, I can watch Netflix. Oh, this, you know, all those things. All those things. But when we're seeking and we're knocking, it's because we're serious about getting what we want. Amen. God is so faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. 